You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from free agency to the draft and all the way to OTAs, we've got you covered. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gilpackers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Gil, real quick, I want to get your reaction to the idea that the Packers are taking special teams more seriously this year after. I mean, you and I talked for forever about how terrible it was the last two years. You know, they got a new special teams coordinator. They have had two punters on the roster for the entirety of the offseason. They now have two long snappers. They're gonna, there's going to be some competition at those positions and hopefully an elevation of talent across the rest of special teams. But what do you think here? Is this really going to be a big needle mover or are you kind of expecting more of the same from the Packers special teams this year? What do you think? Well, I mean, you have the great unknown and that is the new special teams coordinator. So you're not sure exactly how effective he will be. Uh, I liked his press conference, his introductory press conference. He seemed like a no nonsense guy dedicated to improving the unit, which we all know has struggled for the better part of five, 10 years now. Uh, I am cautiously optimistic that we can get better at special teams. And to be honest with you, after what we've been through in recent years, if we finished 15th in the league in special teams overall, I'd be thrilled. Oh, 15th. One can dream. <laughs> Question for you. Have you been watching Jeopardy with uh, Aaron Rodgers as the host? Uh, not a lot, but a little bit. I caught just a couple little highlights online. I have not been actually watching uh, the show itself, but I'm a little bit nervous about tuning back into Jeopardy without Alex Trebek because he was just such a massive part of that show. I, I just I feel like it's, you know, yeah, it's going to be cool seeing Aaron Rodgers on there, but uh, my heart just hurts a little bit missing Alex. Yeah, Alex was a. Uh you know, a big part of what made Jeopardy great. And he definitely will be missed. And uh, that being said, from what I've seen, Aaron Rodgers doing a, a very credible job and seems to be enjoying himself. And you know what I love about it is hearing how thoroughly Aaron Rodgers prepared for that role as Jeopardy host. It is something to me that just reflects his dedication, his work ethic, his uh you know, thoroughness in preparing for something that a lot of people could have just taken as a lark and not taken seriously. It, it reflects some of the reasons why he's a successful NFL quarterback. All right, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about the draft in just a second. But first, got some new information from PFF this week because they've been updating the kinds of stats that they make available 
and we got some information on how often the Packers play zone defense as opposed to having their corners out in man coverage. We have all been operating under the assumption that the Packers played a ton of man. Boy, were we wrong. (laughs) The Packers played the ninth most zone coverage in the league. So, there's a little silver lining here. Now, this is not true of every cornerback in the league, but it is true of all of the cornerbacks on our roster that they all, including Jair, play better in zone than in man. That's not true of every corner. There's a lot of corners who are better in man than in zone. But even Jair plays better in zone. So if we're to understand that Joe Barry's new defense is going to continue to be really heavy uh, in zone and might even increase the amount of zone, that should be a good thing for Josh Jackson. I don't know if it'll help Kevin King or not. Uh, And it'll even help Jair. However... There is the question here of how much is it going to help, and can we really put as much stock into the idea we had previously that this might make Josh Jackson more of a you know legitimate weapon for the Packers? What are your thoughts, Gil? I think that it, it's one of those things where I'm going to say I'm from Missouri. Show me. Show me. I mean, it is possible that this new system, even though it is still going to be, you know, zone emphasis, zone heavy, uh, it's possible that the differences between Joe Barry system and Mike Pettin system could benefit Josh Jackson, or it could have little or no impact at all. So I, I want to see once it's put into plan, once the practices start taking place, once the preseason games start taking place, how this affects the existing personnel and the new personnel that'll be brought in. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Just wanted to share that information with our listeners because we have multiple times talked on this podcast about the uh, switch in, you know, going over to Joe Barry's defense and how we assume that they'll be playing more zone than they used to. And then that will necessarily help our corners. So since we have some new information, wanted to give that to you guys and uh, bring up to speed at where we're at. Let's talk about the draft. So we want to talk about some of the top prospects that could be available around the Packers first pick as the draft is only, what, three weeks away now. Pretty crazy. Yeah. And uh, we're going to start by asking the question, do the Packers target one of the two positions that have really been neglected on the team? Obviously, that would be middle linebacker and the interior of the D line, a nice big fat guy to stick next to Kenny Clark, uh, you know, a la Mike Daniels. I think uh, Kenny Clark has not been the same guy since Mike Daniels left. Um, what do you think? I, I mean, there's, there's some debate here about whether linebacker is a good value in the first round. I know a lot of folks really love, you know, Zaven Collins. That's a, a big name in the draft. Yeah. Here's, Here's something that has been a note of caution for me for a while. First round linebackers in the draft just have been terrible for years. I mean, you're very hard pressed to find a first round linebacker that has done well. And when I say this, you know, on Twitter, I get a lot of feedback right away of, yeah, but saving Collins is really special. 
That may be. Zayvon Collins might be the exception here. It's possible. I don't know. My my theory as to why the first round linebackers don't do very well traditionally and second round linebackers do extremely well. My theory is that when the NFL scouts are evaluating that linebacker talent, they can get distracted by some really cool flashy stuff that really works in college. It just wows you and that doesn't translate as well to the pros. And then after you clear out those guys, what you're left with is, you know, that second tier of, well, these are just really good, solid players that don't have these crazy highlight reels, but those skills actually do translate well to the pros. Mm-hmm. For that for that reason, I would feel more comfortable hanging back, waiting until the second round, grabbing one of those kind of later guys, because the strength of this draft class is in its depth. And, you know, maybe Zaven Collins does turn out to be, uh, you know, the second coming of Fred Warner or... Um, Oh, what's the guy's name with Indianapolis that I love? Uh, Darius uh, Leonard. Right. Super great linebacker. Maybe he's the second coming of one of those guys or Bobby Wagner or whatever. But to me, I'm I'm wary of going super early on linebacker there. I am also wary of it. I mean, to me, the reason, you know, you, you touched on it, and I think it's very true. The reason some of these freak athletes uh, end up going in the first round of the draft is that a lot of the time to make those big plays, those tackles for losses, the sacks, the interceptions, they have to freelance in college. And you can get away with that when you're a super athlete in college, freelancing, playing outside the structure of the defense and making big plays. But in the NFL, when everybody is faster, bigger, stronger, has you know more training in the playbook, you freelance like that, you're going to end up costing your team some pretty bad mistakes and some big plays, and it doesn't really work as well in the NFL. So, uh, and, and I think that that increases the learning curve for some of these players when you're used to freelancing, just reacting to the ball as opposed to staying with your assignment. You then have to unlearn that habit and then learn the playbook and learn how to stay in in your area and contain and all of that. And and that adjustment makes it harder on them in their first year. Yeah, that's a good observation. And we got to keep in mind that, you know, the Packers are almost always picking toward the end of the round. And so you have to make a little bit of a trade-off here. Do you either draft for the future, you know, get guys who are kind of more developmental, um, have a lot of traits, but aren't quite there yet, and you're relying on coaching them up? Or do you look at some guys who maybe have, you know, maybe not quite the flashy highlight reels, not the uh, insane ceiling, but have that higher floor and are just good, solid, consistent players? I would argue, especially in the first couple rounds, that's kind of where your your better value is, is Look, let's get somebody who has a lower ceiling, but a nice high floor. Somebody who's just dependable with our first couple picks in the draft. And, you know, we really want the um, really athletic guys that need a lot of coaching. And, you know, we have a bunch of later round picks. Maybe we go that direction later on in the draft. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you there. I I mean, unless you're going to get a difference maker, uh, and there aren't many of them. 
And I think the way this defense look, look under Mike Pettin, there was not as big of a need for that outstanding right. uh, inside linebacker. That system was not designed to showcase that position. Uh, whether or not Joe Barry's defense changes that equation a little bit remains to be seen. But I think that un- unless you're getting that, you know, Levante David kind of a guy who's just, you know, can track down everything sideline to sideline from the middle of the defense, I-, I-, I think that you're better off going with the guy who is gonna be better in a couple of years. Because look, let's face it, the one thing the Packers accomplished by re-signing so many of their own free agents is that there is no position right now where you say, if they don't sign somebody, if they don't draft someone in the first round who can be plugged in on day one as the starter, they're in deep trouble. There are positions you want to fortify. You want to eventually groom people to replace, but can you think of a position right now where the Packers don't have a starting caliber player available on their roster to fill? I would argue just kind of playing devil's advocate here. I think you could kind of halfway get to that answer with right tackle slash center slash, you know, wherever the hole is on our offensive line or on the interior of the defensive line. But, you know, again, it is halfway because we kind of still have the same guys we had last year. There's not a ton of guys missing, especially on the D line. There you're just kind of asking the question, were the guys we were playing last year really starter quality? And I'm not 100% confident in the answer being yes. I mean, you got Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kiki. uh, We had Snacks Harrison, and he, like, played, I don't know, five snaps or whatever. (laughs) He's no longer with us. So at the D-line, I'm not positive we have a starting quality uh, interior guy to line up next to, to Kenny Clark. I think that, you know, that is the weakest link, but again, historically, and again, the Joe Barry, the changes that we expect with Joe Barry, we still have to see, but historically we haven't emphasized that position either. And um, probably most of the league doesn't. So yeah, I would say after Kenny Clark, you know, Kiki to me has shown flashes. He needs to get more consistent. Uh, you know, there are some holes to fill, but nothing that's like, for example, before the Packers re-signed Kevin King, you could say, we don't have a starting caliber cornerback opposite Joe, right. Jair Alexander. Right. I, right. I, I think that the guys we have right now are probably replacement level players. They're, they're, they're there, they're functional, but they're not outstanding. Um, and you certainly want to upgrade that, but look, the defense was what, uh, ninth in, in points and 13th in yards or some, I'm, I think I'm close if I'm right. not there. That sounds right. Uh, you know, it, it, even with the guys we had, it wasn't a disaster. It needs to get better if you want to win a Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like if we don't plug in a guy in the first or second round of the draft, who's starting on day one, we're sunk. Uh, I don't think we're quite in that desperate a situation. Yeah, that's a good point. I think maybe next week our topic for the podcast should be looking at um, guys that we're going to be losing next year because we do know that Gutekunst really likes drafting for like one year out. Yeah. Um, 
one or two years out. So that might be a good predictive way to come up with, well, you know, what are some positions that he might be targeting this year? You know, and we might go into expecting, oh, yeah, he's going to fix the offensive line and cornerback and linebacker and defensive line. But maybe he's actually looking down the road and saying, all right, now wide receiver is a priority for me because a year from now, you know, we won't have guys under contract. I need some flexibility. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what other positions that would apply to. Maybe safety. I'm not sure. We'll have to do some research and, and come back to that next week. But um, let's look at some linebackers that we think might be available in, I would say, toward the back of the second round. Between the back of the first and the back of the second round. If we're if if we're projecting that the best value for a linebacker is going to be in the second round, um, there is one other question we have to answer real quick though, and that is, can those guys do what Joe Barry needs them to do? You know, there's there's the question a of are these is this where the good linebackers are going to be? But then there's also the question of well, Joe Barry's defense needs a certain kind of linebacker. Are those guys going to be available around there, or do you really have to go grab a guy, you know, at the end of the first round, even if it's a bit of a, of a reach, according to you know draft boards and stuff, to get the guy who will fit Barry's scheme? Zayvon Collins might be the guy that you want, and if you want him, you probably do have to take him at the at the end of the first round, because he Barry needs that really athletic sideline to sideline linebacker. We know that, so. There is some question, you know, Pete Werner from Ohio State is a guy I really like. Very, very versatile linebacker. Uh, He's not the fastest. Uh, He would be a great value right there at the end of the second round. I would absolutely be in love with that pick. Uh, Jamin Davis, about 10 picks earlier, according to, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, big boards, is a little bit more athletic. Might be a better option uh, there, but... I think you're there's a serious question of whether Davis would be there at your second pick. Yeah, and that's always the decision. You know, you have to figure out that Gutekunst is going to put a value on all of these players, talk about a, the, the, the degree of need and how much of an impact each player at each position can have, and then how deep each position is in the draft. And these are the decisions that go on into figuring out, do you reach for a guy? Cause we need a receiver right now. And if we don't take one in this round, the, the talent level falls off so dramatically that we won't be able to fill that need. There are so many variables right now that have to go into it. And it, it, a lot of it really won't be determined until the draft board starts to, uh, you know, till the draft starts happening and, and, and players start coming off the board and you see what's going to be. Looking at some of these specific linebacker prospects, there's a guy who like never gets talked about at all uh, in the same breath as Zayvon Collins. But he's look, PFF has him ranked two spots higher than Zayvon Collins, and that is Nick Bolton out of Missouri. Uh, Nick Bolton doesn't have the flashy plays that Zayvon Collins does, but he plays more disciplined football. He's a very just solid down to down player. Yeah. And I think he would be, you know, 
the kind of guy who I think can contribute to the defense in situations as a rookie and then maybe a year or two down the road be a starter and a bigger contributor. Here's what uh, the Draft Network, which was written up by uh, Krabs, uh, Kyle Krabs, uh, says about Nick Bolton. He projects as an impact starter at the NFL level thanks to his linear explosiveness to trigger an attack between the tackles and his ability to deliver jarring hits to ball carriers. That kind of describes what Barry's looking for. Uh, Bolton has has really good vision. Uh, tends to be like one step ahead of the offense, which is good. Could be a, a good fit. I, I, I think if you take a guy in the first round, I would say with the information we have, which might not be the conclusion that the Packers would come to, would be that probably Zayvon Collins and Nick Bolton would be the two guys you'd be the most interested in uh, around the, the spot where the Packers are picking first. Obviously, their scouts might have come to a different conclusion than you know the, the kind of uh, scouts we have access to as fans. Right. And, you know, the other thing about him is that he he may not have the, you know, the stopwatch times that you absolutely love in a position, but he's a football player. He makes plays. He is smart. He anticipates well, and he plays faster than his time. I, I love some of these draft mm-hmm. expressions, you know, <laughs> <It's> like, plays <laughs> faster than his time. Looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. I mean, they have all these terrible, uh, <laughs> you know, analogies that they've used for years and years, uh, you know, but be that as it may, he plays faster than his 40 time. And that is always something that you, that you look for. And yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, th- another name that you may want to throw into the mix is Jabril Cox. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe he is somebody who you would consider in that second round area as, as a good linebacking prospect out of LSU. So we'll see, but, uh, I think that they will address it in the draft. I just don't think it'll be in the first round. I don't think so either. And if you're looking to go in the second round, looking at what the Packers did last year, which was, you know, really uh, reaching to grab the guys that they really wanted, that they said, you know, this this guy is the right fit for what we're trying to do. Uh, Here's a guy that I think, just feels like a Packers pick. That would be Derek Barnes from, I believe, Purdue. Yeah, Purdue. Yes. Derek Barnes. And actually, so Kyle Krabs report this is again on the draft network. Um, he even mentions, let's see toward the end of the year, he says, uh, because Barnes has multiple pathways to success. The odds of a team jumping at the chance to invest early are certainly high. Uh, man, th- th- he just feels like a Packers pick. This guy, very versatile. He can he can play a lot of different positions. Uh, he's a excellent tackler. He is described here as hard nosed and physical. Um, he has also uh, been a contributor on special teams for Purdue. That would probably be something they would like. Well, we uh, we don't need that in Green Bay. The we, Packers. We, we're not looking for that in Green Bay. <laughs> for what special teams? Right. I've never heard of it. That's not a thing. <laughs> we don't have special teams players except for Oren Burks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, enough about linebacker. Let's look at uh, D line. Look, here's the here's the the biggest thing for me is I see out of any position on the entire roster, 
putting a big fat guy right next to Kenny Clark who can fill the role that Mike Daniels used to have. To me, that is the number one single biggest needle mover for the whole team that you can have. Kenny Clark has been a fraction of what he was back with Mike Daniels ever since Mike Daniels left. He gets doubled a lot. He absorbs way too much, um, you know, nonsense from the offensive line because there's never anybody next to him that he can really lean on. I like Kingsley Kiki, but he needs to be a depth guy, not a starter. And Dean Lowry, give me a break. I'm ready to move on from the Dean Lowry experiment. Um, you could add a freak linebacker or a wide receiver or a star cornerback. But the thing is, we have guys at all those positions and going back to my answer to your question earlier, I don't know that we have a starter quality D lineman to put next to Kenny Clark. And it's just honestly bizarre to me that they have made it such a low priority to find somebody to put in there. Look, if, if you can free up Kenny to get back to what he was, that means that the offense has to respect Kenny. You know what that means? Less pressure on Zadarius. Less pressure on Rashawn Gary. These guys are going to suddenly their jobs are going to be, be a lot easier. Zadarius was the second most double teamed player in football last year behind only J.J. Watt. Look, get Zadarius back to what he was in 2019. Get Kenny Clark back to what he was in 2018. You can do that by getting a really good guy to pair next to Kenny Clark. A guy like, in my mind, Christian Barmore, maybe Tommy Togiai. Uh, I mean, there's there's not a lot of depth in no. the draft. The other name that popped in my mind was Carlos Basham uh, from Wake Forest as a possibility. Uh, but yeah, th- there are not a lot of guys in this draft. And if all else fails, maybe Gilbert Brown is still available. Gil, we'd have a, we'd have another Gil. With the Packers. <laughs> You'd have competition. I don't, I don't know about that one, man. <laughs> Carlos Basham. You know, he, Carlos Basham is not on this list that I'm looking at. I wonder if, if uh, the Draft Network has him. Yeah, they have him listed as an edge guy. Okay. That's interesting. I wonder, could he move inside? He, um, I've seen him listed as both. He could play either end or inside. And Let me, let me get a picture of him. All right. If he's a big, fat guy, I'll consider it. If he's not, then... <laughs> Then uh, well, he's always been good against the write run you up. at Wake Forest, and you have to be because opposing teams can move the ball a lot usually against Wake Forest historically. But uh, all right, all right, Basham, he's close enough. I, you know, give him a ham sandwich and and uh, beef him up just a little bit. Get him in that weight room just enough. Actually, did you know that uh, right now Snacks Harrison and Rashawn Gary are both attending a nose tackle summit? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Rashawn Gary is not moving inside. No, he's he, not. He, he was asked, uh, you know, why he was there because he he's the only outside guy there. And he was basically like, look, I want to get better. And this is, this is the best camp I could find where, you know, there was a good coach who was going to 
you know, help me become better. I want to work, and too many people are taking vacation right now. So uh, he's hanging out with Snacks, and they are uh, learning from uh, Coach Brandon Joseph, I believe his name is, uh, who's a pretty pretty good coach. But nice, uh, yeah. So Carlos Bastian, I'd, I'd be interested in, um, and actually, you know, we got to file that away for next week's podcast when we're looking at future positions of need because edge rusher might be something we're going to have to talk about. Yeah. So we'll the, file that one away. The, the way the cap is and the way the contracts are structured, there's a lot of positions after this coming season that we may need to talk a lot about. Yeah. You know, I, I find there's an interesting uh, contradiction between everybody whining that the Packers always draft for the future and everybody whining and saying, well, they're going to have to do a full rebuild after this season because they're going to have to let all their guys go. Okay, you've <laughs> just been complaining about how much they draft for the future. Do you just assume that all the guys they drafted for the future are not going to be good in the future or <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, fans. When, when fans want to complain, they'll find a way to complain no matter what. So, uh, yeah, it, it it's one of those situations where – you know, everyone says they want the team to be all in and they're not doing enough. And yet, quite honestly, so far, by re-signing a lot of the players they already had, that's the way they're going all in right now. When you were 13-3 and three in back-to-back years, bringing back your most of your best players is certainly one way to remain competitive. Yeah, and let's just re-emphasize for anybody who either missed last week's episode or, uh, you know, didn't didn't get all the way to the end where we were talking about this, but our big conclusion is that the best way for the Packers to improve, and we feel that the Packers actions show that they agree with this, the best way they can improve and become a better team is by becoming more consistent. And the way you get more consistent is by bringing the same guys back, continuing to work with them and improve what they're already doing, getting them more familiar with the scheme, getting their habits pounded into them. Uh, So look, we really feel like that is the strategy that the Packers have here. It's not, Oh yeah, let's, let's just run it back because we were so close. It's look, yeah, you could bring in somebody from the outside who is better than Kevin King, but we've been working with Kevin King here with the same guys. We think that, the, that the best way we can move our DB room forward is to just continue pounding what we already have rather than starting over from scratch with somebody new who, you know, because we're not talking about bringing in a uh, Richard Sherman necessarily. We're talking about uh, Malcolm Butler, who's honestly not much better than Kevin King. So for, for the amount of money here that we have been previously talking about Kevin King you can uh, you can understand the logic here of why they decided let's just since we're not going to get a massive upgrade with the amount of money we're willing to spend let's just run it back with the guys that we've been working with and continue to build their teamwork with each other yeah and and you know improving from within is the key now the the flip side of that is that you know a lot of the time it's your second and third year guys who are going to make that big jump. And those third year guys, that draft class of 2018 after Jair, not looking so good right now. And if those guys are the ones we're waiting to take a jump, uh, we may be waiting a long time. 
Yeah, Packers 2018 draft class was kind of rough. Uh, I mean, like half the guys aren't even on the team anymore. The first three picks, you have Jair and then Josh Jackson and Oren Burks. You want a question as to why a lot of our young players aren't performing? You got to look at the 2018 draft. After him, Jamon Moore and Cole Madison. Neither of them are even on the team anymore. Then you got J.K. Scott. I like him, but, you know, he was taken in the fifth round. That's kind of high for a punter. MVS, EQ. Uh, after that, James Looney is no longer on the team. Hunter Bradley is still with us, but how much longer? We're not sure because they did bring in another long snapper. And then Kendall Donerson, not with the team anymore. And that's it. That's the draft. That's yeah. the 2018 yeah. draft. So, I mean, is there still time for Josh Jackson and Oren Burks? Yeah, but this is probably their last chance. Well, hopefully. I, I really hope it's Oren Burks' last chance. I'm ready to move on from that experiment. There you go. All right. Look, last week, pains me to report this. Last week, <laughs> we debated who is the scarier opponent that the Packers are going to have to play. Are you more nervous about them facing Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs or running back I'm not running back, running a threat, man. Well, talk about a Freudian slip right there. Running threat, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Gil, I mean, I, I, I think that you need to be charged with something for the absolute massacre that you did to me in the in the voting results on this one. 80.9 percent. Wow. That is how much of the vote you received. Wow for arguing Patrick Mahomes was scarier than Lamar Jackson. So tail between my legs. Uh, I need some hardcore redemption this week. Yeah. And I didn't even have my daughters vote for me either. So, (laughs) Oh, for once (laughs) (laughs) don't do that. But yeah, (laughs) none of my family is even on Twitter, so they can't vote. Well, there you go. I, I don't think my daughters are on Twitter either, to be honest with you, but. Well, all right, we have a new debate topic this week. Look, this week, actually today, today, according to Mike Silver, who we don't usually like to mention, uh, Aaron Rodgers has reached out to at least two players in the NFL in an attempt to recruit them to Green Bay. Here's the big question. Who do you think those two players are? Uh, I'm. I'll go first here. Go ahead. I have heard some whispers that Richard Sherman is one of them. And I do know that Aaron Rodgers thinks very highly of Sherm. He likes old Sherm. Even though Sherman is no longer at his peak, he's not the Sherm that he used to be. Uh, seems like Aaron Rodgers is still a fan. I would not be surprised if Sherman is one of them. And for the other one, I think Casey Hayward makes a lot of sense. Look, uh, the the kind of positions that Rodgers would be interested in improving, obviously, would be the offensive line, wide receiver. But he also probably would be interested in bringing in guys that he knows and likes, you know, like Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. And look, Casey, Casey Hayward, longtime uh, former Packer. Things ended really messily with him. That was not a nice breakup. Casey Hayward was very hurt that the Packers moved on from him. He was very offended. I think it would make sense that, look, it's different leadership now. You got a different front office, a different GM. You got different all all new coaches. 
I think it would make sense for Rodgers to go, you know, let's try and mend a little bridge here. I'm going to reach out to old Case and uh, try and smooth things over with him, convince him to come on back. And, you know, this is this is a new team. This is not the same team that cut him. So to me, Sherman and Hayward kind of make the most sense as guys he'd be reaching out to. And look, they also play the same position. So it would make sense if if maybe Rodgers is looking at the NFC Championship game and saying cornerback is the thing that in his mind maybe cost them the game. Maybe it's important to him to try and help the pack find some more talent there. So uh, who do you think it is? And and you're, you can't use the exact same guys that I picked and you know, I mean, okay, you could, you could just agree with me and just hand me the victory <laughs> or I, I, I think if, if you, if you want to use one of them and say that uh, we both agree on one guy, but uh, who, who are you, your two picks? I, I would agree with Richard Sherman uh, as, as somebody who I think I think that, you know, you look back at the history. These are two warriors. These are two probably. Uh, I mean, Rogers is a surefire Hall of Famer. Sherman is a surefire Hall of Famer. A lot of respect, a lot of big duels between these two guys. It wouldn't surprise me at all. The other guy who I was looking at, uh, offensive lineman Mitchell Schwartz from uh, Kansas ah. City. Uh, one thing with with David Bakhtiari likely to miss the first part of the season, it could go as high as, you know, a month or two. Uh, you got to have that swing tackle. You most rookie offensive tackles have their struggles. You don't want to be starting this season with questions at that position. You get a veteran like Mitchell Schwartz a quality right tackle. You can move Billy uh, Turner over to left tackle temporarily, uh, or you could swing Elton Jenkins out to left tackle temporarily. And I think that that keeps Aaron Rodgers upright. He's an experienced player with a Super Bowl ring. He'd be good in the locker room. Uh, I have to go with Mitchell Schwartz as possibly one of those guys. And you add to the fact that he he attended Cal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, as, did, Bear. as did Aaron Rodgers. So they probably have a connection that way. That would make a lot of sense. Uh, Rogers really likes to have his buddies around him. Look, are we sure that it's not Jake Kumaro? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, um, as long as it's not Martellus Bennett or Jimmy Graham, I'm good. It's definitely <laughs> not Martellus Bennett, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, that does it for today. Folks, Remember to weigh in and help us settle this question on Twitter. Go to at uh, JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers on Twitter. We're both going to pin the poll to the top of our profiles. You can vote. Do you think it's Richard Sherman and Casey Hayward or Richard Sherman and Mitchell Swartz? I'd be real interested to see your opinions. And if you have a different theory, we're not accepting applications for Antonio Brown, but anybody else, <laughs> feel free to leave it in the comments as well. Remember to follow us on Twitter, of course, at Gil Packers and at Jason Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not